Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for February 12th, 2018. Uh, Six-game slate for Monday and some blowouts, but some good spots. There's some decent value. We've been on a good run of basketball lately. A lot of it's been due to value that's opened up from the trade deadline. There's a lot of new situations. There's been cheap players who are starting who, for whatever reason, is just taking a really long time for pricing to catch up, so been a pretty nice run for basketball and jump right in first game on the slate a lot of blowout risk here the new york knicks at the philadelphia 76ers so from the knicks side of the game one thing to watch out for is i think there's a very high likelihood that emmanuel moutier ends up starting for the knicks today if that's the case i think he's a really good play at 4300 he played uh just under 30 minutes today against the pacers real life basketball he was awful moutier is not a good player right now he can't shoot uh, he's not a good defender. He doesn't do a lot of things well on the court, except for fantasy purposes. He gets some assists. He can get rebounds. And if he's going to play a lot of minutes at 4,300 a point guard, then he's a decent play. So I think that that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think Michael Beasley is a decent GPP play. He's producing w- really well per minute. He's scoring, uh, what is it, 32 and a half fantasy points per game as a starter this year. Just the issue here is the blowout potential. So Beasley, really just a GPP play for me. And then Moutier would be in play for cash games and GPP if he's starting. From the Sixers side of the game, I think that Joel Embiid is a fine GPP target to pay up for at 10,200. He has a really good matchup against Dennis Kanner. If the Knicks keep this game competitive, I would expect Joel Embiid to be as good as anybody else on the slate. And he's not quite as expensive as some of the other high-tier guys. So I don't really have much interest in this game because of that blowout risk. Uh, the Sixers have actually seen the line move in their favor against the public already. I think the public is just siding with the Knicks a little bit right off the bat because they sort of played okay against Indiana, and I don't know, maybe there's a New York bias there. But the Sixers have gone up from minus 11.5 to minus 12 already. I think that line could go a bit higher because the Knicks are bad, and something you mentioned before we started is that the Knicks – could actually be worse because of Emmanuel Moutier, because of how bad he is. So him starting at point guard and playing a lot of minutes could actually make the team worse. I think he is viable if he starts, but I also think he could just play poorly and Trey Burke or Frank Nielakino or both of them could take a lot of his minutes. I don't really view him as safe if he starts. I think I would have some exposure there, but he's not really my favorite play because I think there is a lot of randomness in the way the Knicks are going to handle their backcourt, especially on the tail end of a back-to-back. But for this game in general, guys like Embiid and Beasley, I think I would only use them together. And maybe you could say the same thing for Hardaway, because if the game stays close, Beasley and Embiid probably will both have good games. But I I don't think there's a great chance the game stays close. Yeah, no, they're definitely only GPP plays for me, and there's definitely that blowout risk. So I agree with you there, and Vegas agrees with us too, because it's a double-digit point spread. The next game on the slate, the New Orleans Pelicans at the Detroit Pistons. It's weird to call Anthony Davis a safe guy to pay up for because he always does have the risk of seeing the uh, went to the locker room tweet pop up on Twitter. You see that for Anthony Davis more than any other player in the league. But he is playing really, really well since DeMarcus Cousins got injured. We are looking at... He scored over 60 fantasy points in more games than he hasn't since Cousins has gotten hurt. And last game, he scored 87 fantasy points. That was in a ridiculous double overtime game against the Nets, but he was still having a really good game before that anyway. Uh, 
I don't like Rajon Rondo at all at 5,700. I know he was really good last game, but the minutes for Rondo are so, so all over the place. I think people are going to want to roster him coming off the, the triple-double he had last game against the Nets. So I think Rondo is always somebody to fade when he's going to be popular in GPP. Uh, Nikola Mirotic, I think, is just kind of a fair play, um, but probably a little bit too expensive for me. So I, I wouldn't say he's totally unrosterable, except there's just going to be other priority plays for me. Uh, from the Pistons side of the game, Stanley Johnson only played 20 minutes today, except he also got in early foul trouble and got injured at the start of the third quarter. And he wasn't playing well, so it's, it's a combination of everything, I think, that hurt him in that game. Yeah, I, I still think that he's going to play somewhere in the mid-30s minutes for now, so I think he's a fine play at 4,800, and I think uh, Reggie Bullock's in play also at 4,700. Yeah, I think both of those guys are fine, but I guess we usually mention this right off the top, but there are a lot of value plays already, and there are going to be a lot of value plays. There, there should be some more opening up because a, a few guys are questionable that we haven't gotten to yet. So I think that maybe not so much Stanley Johnson. Reggie Bullock might be a bit of a reach. I know you might be a little partial towards him because he helped you win a big lineup. Uh, he, he was in your best scoring lineup on Sunday, so maybe you like him a little bit more than I do for that reason. I think well, he's no, okay. It is. Well, I'm going to cut you off for a second. Yeah. The reason I like him for tomorrow, though, is the same reason I liked him for today. He's playing a lot of minutes right now, and he's producing fairly well when he's on the court. No, I like him too. I just think that there were better alternatives for Monday than there were on Sunday. Sunday didn't have quite as much value from the other games, um, and Monday we will have a lot of other value plays. Like I, I, I definitely agree that he has some value in his price again, but there might just be guys in his price range that have more value for their prices. So I think he's okay, but I think he might be more marginal, someone to have lighter exposure to. I, th- I kind of feel the same about Stanley Johnson. Um, and then for the same reason, I have zero interest in Rondo, but also, be- like you said, because of the high ownership. And then I think the same thing for Miritich. So Anthony Davis would be someone to pay up for. I think you could pay up for Drummond or Blake Griffin. But I, I probably prefer Davis. He's just better than those guys. And even though he's a little more expensive, there is only one of him on his team. And Blake Griffin and Drummond have to sort of fight for rebounds amongst each other. It's a good matchup for them, though. So I think that they could be worth rostering. Uh, one more name to throw in is uh, Etwan Moore played 44 minutes last game. And that was in double overtime. But I think he's sort of a comparable play to guys like Stanley Johnson and Reggie Bullock. So... If you're stacking the game, then I think all of those guys should make those lineups, but they might just be marginal plays otherwise. All right. The next game here is the Los Angeles Clippers at the Brooklyn Nets. From the Clippers side of the game, I think this is just too cheap for DeAndre Jordan. It's 7,200. The Nets are allowing more fantasy points to centers than any other team in the league. The Nets actually allow more fantasy points to centers than any team allows to any position. So, this is as positive a matchup as anybody could get. DeAndre Jordan also has he had a couple of subpar games before bouncing back last game, but overall he's just been really good this year when Blake Griffin isn't available, and obviously that's going to be the situation for the rest of the season. The backcourt situation for the Clippers is such a mess right now. One of the most ridiculous situations in the league right now is Austin Rivers is playing more minutes than Lou Williamson's coming back from injury. And that is with Doc saying that Austin's minutes are being limited because he's coming back from a hamstring injury. I mean, if he's just going to play Austin Rivers more minutes than Lou Williams, I think that 
because it's so clear it's only because he's his son. Like, I think that that's such a fireable offense. Lou Williams is clearly better than Austin Rivers, and there's just so many other guys also that he needs to get minutes to. Avery Bradley's playing minutes. Uh, Lou Williams. Uh, Tay Dosich when he's healthy. Ty Wallace is still playing minutes. So there's just too many guys in the backcourt to target any of them, I think, right now. So DeAndre Jordan's the only guy who's in play for me. And then from the net side of the game, I think that D'Angelo Russell is a pretty strong play in this matchup. So Russell is only priced at 5,600. He played uh, 31 and a half minutes last game. It was due to double overtime that he got extra minutes. But when we consider that they were willing to play him 30, almost 32 minutes in a double overtime game, it seems to me like the minutes restriction should just kind of be off him. And at the beginning of the year, when he was the starting point guard, his price got to over 8000 overall as a starter, 28 minutes per game, 36.5 fantasy points per game. So if he's just going to play the regular 28 minutes, then I think the baseline for him is somewhere in the 36 fantasy point range. So 5600 is just too cheap for him. Yeah, I think Russell's a good play too, but I think you could also kind of say the same thing about Dinwiddie, who's not that much more expensive at 6400 And I think Russell and Dinwiddie will both continue to play pretty significant minutes because Karis LeVert's still out and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's still out. So the Nets just don't have that much depth. Uh, there's always the chance that they just play a bunch of guys we've never heard of 20 minutes each, and then everyone's minutes are just kind of diluted. But even if that's... What's that? James Webb. Oh yeah, James Webb and... Uh, I guess they don't have Nick Stauskas anymore. Um, no, Nick Stauskas. I guess they have Nick Stauskas. We, we've heard of him, though, so he doesn't count. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Uh, James Webb I've heard of now, but that is someone we only had heard of because he showed up in a Nets game randomly out of nowhere. Um, I don't think the Nets are that bad of a target overall, but I think I'd be more inclined to use them if it were a little easier to use the Clippers and then just kind of make game stacks here. But your point about Austin Rivers definitely is valid, and there are just so many Clippers guys um, I think it'll be a little bit easier if Teodosic doesn't play because he is questionable. Uh, he Did he sit last game? I think he's been yeah, out for... Yeah, he sat last game. Um, so if Teodosic doesn't come back, then I think maybe Tobias Harris is a little more usable. Maybe it's a little bit more of a minutes floor. And then Gallinari, and I don't think I would use Austin Rivers, but a little more of a minutes floor for Lou Williams. I think it just makes everyone a little more playable if Teodosic isn't there. And then it makes a game stack a little more viable. Um, one other guy that I also think is a pretty good value is Jared Allen, who is still only at 5,000, and he's just been really good over his last two, three weeks or so. He's scored at least 30 fantasy points in three of his last six games, and in the ones where he didn't reach 30, I think the lowest point total he had was 19. Um, so the floor has been there, too. He he produces really well per minute, at least recently, and it should be kind of an up pace game. It's not the best matchup against DeAndre Jordan, but Jared Allen doesn't really need to score to produce fantasy points. Um, so for game stacks, I definitely like him, but I think he's a decent value regardless. Um, and then I'm definitely with you on DeAndre Jordan. He's way too cheap. Yeah, and then the other thing also is that I just like Jared Allen. Like I think that he looks like a really solid prospect, and he's played well when he's gotten the minutes. He's got uh, an awesome afro, which <laughs> probably has less to do with why. Probably more to do with why I like watching him but not as much to do with why i think he's a good player but also like somebody asked me on twitter today who is a better uh dynasty league hold for the rest of the season jared allen or josh jackson and i thought that was a really tough decision and josh jackson was somebody who was picked really high in the draft this year so i I think that that's the level of prospect that jared allen is he's played really well and uh, i mean he's probably one of the 
better big man prospects in the league right now. Uh, so, yeah, I think that he is uh, – I think he's somebody who could average a double-double the rest of the season if the Nets give him enough minutes, which, I mean, I don't know if the Nets are actually going to do it, but I think they should play more minutes than Julio Loke before. I'll, I'll put it that way because I think he's better than Julio Loke before. Well, before we move on, do you think that having to face DeAndre Jordan leads to more Jared Allen minutes? Because I know Okafor obviously struggles defensively. DeAndre Jordan isn't much of an offensive player, but I would think that DeAndre would just destroy Okafor on the glass, and the Nets would need Jared Allen's rebounding more in this game than against a team that goes with more of a small ball center. Yeah, I've thought that before, except they also played Julio Okafor like a decent amount against the Pistons. So, Yeah, Allen was really good against the Pistons, but I think... He- Okafor still played a lot of minutes in that game. I'll just double-check that before we move on. I think they split minutes in that game, and Allen was just really efficient. Uh, He had 46.5 fantasy points in 32 minutes. I guess guess him and Okafor could both play 25 to 30 minutes, and then Allen's the guy to use, and Okafor is just bad. So I wouldn't even use Okafor if he's getting 25 to 30 minutes. I do think, though, that Allen will continue to play more against bigger teams. Like, he, he got 32 minutes against Detroit. Yeah, I think, what was it? Maybe it was the Sixers that he didn't play a lot of minutes. Yeah, Okafor started against Embiid. I think that was the game that you might be thinking of. No, no, no. He, Okafor didn't start. Uh, Allen still started. Or Okafor just, just played more against Embiid. We're mixing yeah. up the games. Too many Nets players and too many Nets games that we've cared about recently. Too many bad players. Uh, but either way, I like Jared Allen. I don't like Julio Okafor. Agreed? Yeah, definitely agree. Okay, so the Orlando Magic of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I think this is a pretty stackable game. Uh, I think DJ Augustine, Jonathan... Actually, you know what? Never mind. There's better values. I think that there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game, but I, I don't really think anybody is an individually great play. Uh, especially if Chris Dunn comes back, that is a slight downgrade to DJ Augustine, but I like Augustine more if Dunn's out just because Dunn's a decent uh, defender. And then Evan Fournier and Jonathan Simmons are both kind of whatever type of plays. I don't think either of them are... I think they both have some upside, but neither one of them would I look at as somebody who I want to have a ton of exposure to. From the Bulls' side of the game, we have Chris Dunn is questionable. If he's out... That's a boost for Zach Levine, who I like anyway at 6,900. I was saying last week I think Zach Levine is going to be up to 8,000 by the end of the season, and I stand by that. I think that Levine is a really strong play at 6,900, especially in this matchup. Uh, But even more so if Dunn's out. And then if Dunn can't play, then Jerry and Grant at 5,200 start at point guard, and also just too cheap for Grant given what his minutes have been recently. Grant's last few games he has played – 37, 38, 36, 36 minutes, and scoring over 30 fantasy points per game. So 5,200 against the Magic who are allowing more fantasy points to point guards than any other team in the league. That would be a really strong spot for him. Yeah, I definitely like Grant if Dunn is out. Levine is a really, really strong play if Dunn is out. But I think Levine could be usable even if Dunn is in, and especially if Dunn's on a minutes restriction. Um, would you use Chris Dunn if he's playing at 6,500 or do you think that we would just be looking at a minutes restriction and he would be unusable? Uh, so I'm hoping that we would know ahead of time if he has a minutes restriction or not. So if he has no minutes restriction, then I'd say he's definitely in play at 6,500 because he was, wasn't he near, yeah, he was in the seven, he was in the mid 7,000 range before he got hurt. Obviously a really strong matchup against the Magic. So the, the question to me would just be, is he going to play full minutes or restricted minutes? I think it's almost a guarantee he would play restricted minutes. 
but I'll, I'll wait until we find out definitively tomorrow if that's the case. So if Dunn is either un, unrestricted completely or out, then I think this game becomes more stackable because then we have more clarity with the Bulls and then we would be more inclined to use those Bulls players. Um, but the ideal scenario for a stack is if Dunn doesn't play because then, like you said, it's a bit easier of a matchup for DJ Augustine. I think Jonathan Simmons is a good play regardless at 5,100. Um, his usage has been pretty high, I think right around since Aaron Gordon got hurt. Uh, it's been the last five games or so where he's had an inflated usage. And he's he's had a couple sort of mediocre games and one huge game against the Cavs. But I think the upside is there just because of how many minutes he's playing and the usage rate. He just isn't particularly good, so it's kind of hard to expect that upside. But I think it is there, and it, it would be an easier matchup without Dunn. So I'll say that I like Orlando a good amount for stacking the game if Dunn is out. Um, and if Dunn is in, then it might just be a fate of everybody because the minutes restriction could be a problem, and then it kind of just makes this game a little hard to target. I would still use Levine. Uh, Levine. Yeah, I would use Levine, but I'd be much lighter on him, and I probably wouldn't use Grant at all. A restricted Dunn, obviously, wouldn't really be in play, and then I wouldn't want to have much exposure to the Magic either. So if Dunn is re- in and restricted, I'll say I would have some Levine and some Jonathan Simmons. That would probably be about it. Okay, uh, next game here. This is a game that normally I would have zero exposure to because this is about as difficult a game on both sides anybody could possibly have. The Spurs at the Jazz. But from the Spurs side of the game, we have LaMarcus Aldridge is out. Uh, obviously, we still have uh, Kawhi Leonard out, and looks like he might not even be close to returning. And DeJounte Murray is questionable uh, with the ankle injury that caused him to leave a couple of games ago. We have Tony Parker is questionable with the sore back that forced him to miss last game. So without LaMarcus Aldridge, I think Pau Gasol is usable at 4,800. I think Davis Bertans is usable at 4,300. Even though it's a really tough matchup, both of them should have to play a decent amount of minutes, and that's just a really cheap price. And then I think Patty Mills is okay to roster at 4,500 if DeJounte Murray and Tony Parker are both out. Patty Mills was very chalky in the Spurs last game and had a huge dud, except the circumstances around it, number one, it was a tough matchup against the Warriors. I understand this is a tough matchup also. Uh, Mills picked up two fouls two minutes into the game and came out. He sat the entire first quarter. He came out uh, for part of the second quarter and I think picked up his third foul then. And then to start the third quarter, he played, but the Warriors won by a blowout, so he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. So his minutes were way down. I think if both those guys are out, I would still be fine with rostering Patty Mills at 4,500. Uh, the Utah side of the game is still a fade for me. Um, well, I think Donovan Mitchell could be in play if Rubio's out again. I think it's really hard to determine what's going on there. And I also think Rudy Gobert could be in play. He's only at 6,700, and no Aldridge should at least help him with his rebounding. It's kind of hard to figure out the Spurs defensively with no Aldridge and no Leonard and no potentially no Murray also. But I think Gobert's cheap enough that I would still roster him. And it, it could sort of be a game stack because if you're using Gasol and Mills and maybe like Davis Bertans already, I think Mills and Gasol would be the two plays though. Um, if you're using guys from San Antonio, then it just makes more sense to have more Utah guys. So I think I would play Gobert and Mitchell alongside San Antonio guys, but I probably wouldn't use much of them independently. Yeah, I think the issue I just have with rostering too many guys from this game in one lineup is that it almost definitely is going to be extremely low scoring. So what is 
I guess there's no Vegas line for this yes, but yet, but I'll guess that the point total for this game is going to be 193 or so. Um, yeah, I would think low to mid 190s sounds about right, and the Jazz will probably be five or six point favorites, something like that. But yeah, and then I guess uh, something else that might have some impact is it is the tail end of a back to back for Utah, except the Stars aren't going to have to play very many minutes because they are blowing out Portland right now. Well, something that I've sort of just noticed anecdotally with the Spurs, I'm not sure how much evidence there is to back it up because the sample size is pretty limited, but when Patty Mills is on the court, the Spurs seem to play much higher scoring games because Mills is just an up-tempo player that shoots quickly and just plays with a lot of speed in his offense. And Mills also doesn't defend like Dante Murray defends. Um, that's kind of hard to determine too, because it's a lot of the defense of the individual Spurs is because of their system. But it does seem like at least that when Patty Mills is on the court, games can get higher scoring. Um, the one piece of evidence I have for this is that when the Spurs have big leads at halftime, the over-unders of the second halves are always higher because the Spurs backups play quicker than the starters play. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge plays pretty slow. Um, Murray, I'm not so sure, but Tony Parker plays pretty slow. Kawhi Leonard kind of does too. So the Spurs secondary guys should lead to a bit higher scoring of a game. So like, I wouldn't be that shocked if the Jazz win something like 105 to 100. I don't think that's out of the question. And with the prices of the players we're talking about, I think it could be a strong stack spot. So I, I won't be heavy on it, but I think it, I think it warrants some consideration, and I'll probably have at least a couple lineups around this game. I'm trying to bring up uh, Patty Mills' pace right now. Yeah, it's really hard to find individual player pace stats, and especially when they play they with have different... It on, they have it on, on NBA.com. Yeah, for, for a bench player, it's just a little tough because they're playing with different different guys all the time. But I, I guess if you have it, we'll, we'll at least weigh it a little bit. Okay, so the Spurs play uh, half a more possession per game with Patty Mills as the point guard. Okay. Well, I also think Patty Mills is good enough at offense that they score a little better, but maybe that's a little bit of a leap. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound very significant. But either way, I think the players are cheap enough that it would make sense to stack it. Like, any game can go to overtime, and it should be a reasonably close game. Okay. Uh, final game on the slate. This one probably won't go to overtime. That is the Phoenix <laughs> Suns of the Golden State Warriors. So from the Suns side of the game, we have Devin Booker is questionable. Tyler Eulis is questionable. I, I just think that there's too many injuries there to really make too much of a determination on them, but I'm probably fading them anyway. This is just a really tough spot for them with a lot of blowout risk. From the Warriors stars, guys like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, it's such an easy matchup. One of these guys could have a really big game but I, I'm probably going to be off them. I can't see myself rostering any of them. Uh, maybe I'll put, maybe if I'm making like 20 GPP lineups, I put each of them into one, maybe. But even then, uh, I, I don't think they're really strong plays. I do think that uh, Kevon Looney or David West are rosterable just because there's no Draymond Green. He's been ruled out with, I think it's a finger injury. So Looney and West are probably both going to have to play extra minutes. So I think they're the best plays from the Warriors side of the game. Yeah, I think Andre Iguodala should play extra minutes too. He's only 3,700, so I don't think he's a bad play either. Looney, though, I think I'd be more confident in for garbage time because Jordan Bell's not there. He's hurt. Uh, Looney could – I guess he wouldn't start, but Looney should play 
minutes in a close game anyway. I think he has a decent minutes floor. And then if the game's out of hand in the second half, I think he'd stay in anyway because the Warriors don't have a lot of depth. Like Looney makes sense more as a garbage time play than David West does because David West is a veteran and the Warriors probably won't leave him out there for as long for those garbage time minutes. So Looney is my favorite Warrior to roster, but I think West and Iguodala would be fine too. Um, I also think Josh Jackson is a good play if we know before lock that Ulyss and Booker are out. It's going to be a tough matchup for Jackson for some of the first half, possibly guarded by Kevin Durant, but I think TJ Warren probably would be the guy that Durant guards. <clears throat> um, and without, Dave, without Draymond Green there, the Warriors really only have one defender at those two positions. I guess Clay Thompson's a good defender too, but I would think he guards a smaller player if Jackson's playing small forward. I don't know that Clay would guard Josh Jackson. Um, and then for garbage time, it seems like Josh Jackson just stays in the game because he's a young player that the Suns want to get minutes to in, uh, in any game situation. Um, he might be kind of chalky, so he could be a decent fade for GPPs, but he, Jackson has a really high floor in basically any Suns game. Uh, all that changes, though, if we know that Booker's in or we're just not sure if Booker's in. Okay, so that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back tomorrow.